Turn in your New Testaments to John chapter 2, verse 13 through 22. John 2, 13 through 22. And in the next three weeks, we're going to be kind of moving beyond Easter. Uh, you don't, it's not every year, really, that you get to look at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Those times after Easter, after the resurrection, that He appeared to people and and what he said to us and what that means. And so we look forward to, uh, to kind of moving beyond Easter this year. John 2, 13 through 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple area. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove that you have authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. I love Easter, and I know you probably do too, because it's so bright, it's so happy, it's so filled with joy and hope, and we bring our tired and overworn lives, our overcomplicated lives, right here into this place to celebrate the newness, to celebrate the possibilities of what newness through Jesus, resurrection life, even in our lives now, what kind of impact Easter can have. That Christ the Lord is risen today. Ah, alleluia. Happy Easter. But you know, I was noticing this year, I'm a noticer And I was noticing just how people around our community were preparing for Easter. And by that, I don't necessarily mean prayer and and that type of thing. But I've noticed that basically Easter preparations around here take two forms. One is the clearing out of old things. And the other is the bringing in of new things. Yesterday, I joined the the deacons and others in the work day uh, here at Highlands and got grubby with them and you know, they just, they just needed to tell me what to do and show me how to do it. Man, we were clearing out things out of the bushes and dragging things down and weeds and just clearing to, to make the campus look great. And, and so after about an hour or so, I, I went back and, and I drove into my neighborhood and, and I saw something that was not the, the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, most of my neighbors were, were in their yards and they were working in their yards, they were cutting the grass. Of course, I knew what that meant, that I was going to have to do the same. And uh, so, you know, 
I, I went and started, applied myself to uh, the things I learned here at church. And I did the same to my trees that I did to the trees here as I was instructed and, and pulled out stuff, cleaned out some stuff, uh, mowed my, my grass. I came in and lo and behold, Gina was clearing things out of rooms because it's Easter, right? That's what you do in preparation for Easter. Clear out old stuff. But you know, there's also bringing in the new. Now, I have been a part of raising two daughters, so I know a little bit about Easter dresses. And uh, there are new, there's just new stuff associated with, with Easter and, and flowers. And give Julie Crosland an girl for the flowers this morning. Um, there's, just, there's just a lot of new, and we celebrate with, with, with new things. In fact, uh, I went out to Kroger with my daughter, and we bought a brand new ham just for Easter yesterday. It was, it was great. Um, maybe we can bring a fresh new attitude to Easter this morning. Maybe God wants to clear out something this morning and bring in something new in your life. This passage really is just like what I described happening in Ridgeland and Madison. It is about the clearing away of the old and the bringing in of the new. And, and first we see this clearing away of the old. In verse 13 of John chapter 2, it begins a story that, that we know, an event that we know uh, that we call the, the cleansing of the temple, that Jesus came into the temple to clear it out. And as I read that, maybe you were struck with the, the violent nature of Jesus just going ballistic in the temple and, and cleansing that temple we read in verse 15, he made a whip out of cords. You don't read that like this. He made a whip out of cords. Look, when the Son of God makes a whip and starts getting after you, it's time to go. You know, he made a whip out of cords. Listen to these words. He drove them all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers. He overturned the tables. And to those selling doves, he said, get these things out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And they remembered the words of the scripture. Zeal for his house will consume him. The focus of the temple was to be God's glory. It was a place where God would be exalted. It was a, a place where God would meet his people with grace through blood sacrifices of lambs and, and bulls and goats and, and animals so that you could come to the, ta the, the temple to seek the Lord. You could praise Him and you also by faith could have a sense of the forgiveness of God's grace in the temple. It was about prayers. It was about songs of high praise. But most of all, the temple that Jesus entered was the holy place where God Himself dwelt. Where His name dwelt. Where the glory, the representation of His glory on earth dwelt. When Jesus Christ walked into the temple that day, it was more like a Walmart than a house of God. Now, please understand, those people weren't doing anything wrong selling those animals. That was a very good thing to do. It was all approved. 
I mean, you come from a different country, you come from a different place, you, do, you know, you don't want to have to bring your own animals, and so what a great convenience, you know, to, to be able to go to the temple, buy a certified lamb right there on location, a certified dove or, or whatever, that's a great thing. Jesus isn't mad at what's going on, he's mad at where it is happening, and therefore what's happening because of it. Same with the money changers. Look, the money changers, you come from Babylon or somewhere, you know, your family's still out there and you're, you're coming to the temple and you've got to pay a temple tax if you're a Jew and during the, the time of Jesus, you come with your Babylonian money and, uh, you know, kind of like today, all money back then just didn't have the same value. I mean, I won't talk about how much the dollar is worth. We just won't get into that. But, it, you know, it kind of used to be the gold standard and there was a a coin from the city of Tyre that during the time of Jesus, that was the purest, most reliable currency. And so you would bring whatever kind of coins you had to the money changers. They give you what that was currently worth, just like today. You would get the equivalent in these particular purely mint coins, and then you'd pay your temple tax with that. You see, the problem was not what was going on. These are actually good things and helpful things that are going on in the temple. No, it was where they were going on. You know, for centuries, these people had sold the animals and exchanged the money out on the Kidron Valley. So just kind of on the approach to the temple. But during the time of Jesus, they had moved into the temple and into a particular place that angered the Son of God. They moved into the very outer court of the temple, which was set aside for Gentiles from all nations, people on the fringes, to come and to seek God. And they were coming, and they were there to offer prayers. They were there to hear Scripture read. They were there. And what did they encounter? Right in the middle of their church service, is all the smells and noises of animals and haggling and clanking of all kinds of things. And Jesus Christ was angry. In fact, it's, it's interesting, in, in another one of the accounts of this particular event, he says, how dare you turn my father's house into a den of thieves. It is to be a house of prayer for all the nations. You see, this is supposed to be open. And the whole point here is Jesus is angry because there's clutter and there's commerce where there needs to be worship and focus on Almighty God and He is cleaning it out. With whips and cords, He is clearing it out. Zeal for God's house consumes Him. Clear it out. So there can be worship. I think that's a great thing for us to say to God, to have the the courage to say to God today, God, in my life, clear it out. So there can be worship and focus on your beauty and your truth so that there can be a sense of the knowledge of your forgiveness, mercy, and grace in my life and not just the distractions of our lives. You know... In my life, I'm sure in yours, we, we, need, it, we need some cleaning out, don't we? Wouldn't that be a great prayer this Easter, this time of newness as we come to God's house? Lord, 
There's so much hustle and bustle. There's so much buying and selling. There's the bleeding of all kinds of mooing of all kinds of interests and pursuits in my life, all of which are good, by the way. But what's being pushed to the edges of my life is my relationship with you. Lord, clear it out. I want to start new today. It's Easter. So the first thing is the clearing out of the old. But then there is the bringing in of the new. Now, don't you think for a moment those officials at the temple were pleased that this rabbi from the Galilee came down, made cords, and drove all the people selling all the lambs to be sacrificed in the temple out of the temple, took away the ability to exchange money to get the temple tax? Do you understand what this means is that the Son of God shut the temple down for a period of time because there was a stoppage of the sale of animals and there was a stoppage of the paying of that tax and the people who received that money didn't like that stoppage and the people who were ready for those sacrifices which is a good thing didn't like that so they are immediately on jesus christ verse 18 the jews demanded of him which i don't blame them by the way what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this that's actually a great question Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. This is about something new. Destroy this temple. What what an interesting thing for Jesus to say to the question, what kind of sign can you do to show us that you have authority to do all these things? You see, Jesus, in his answer to them, is not talking about the temple in Jerusalem. No, he's talking about the resurrection of his own body. And let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying the most radical thing that may have ever been said in that temple. He's saying this. I am the temple. This is done. This is finished through me. This will have no more purpose because of me and I will be the replacement of all this. Tear down this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. I will be raised as king and the one in three days. They didn't understand that. Even his disciples didn't understand it at the time. In verse 20, we read that they, of course, thought he was talking about the the actual temple The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up again in three days? Now you've got to understand that there were three temples. There was the the first temple that Solomon, there was the tabernacle that Moses led in the construction of. Then there was the temple of Solomon, which is the first temple. Then there was the temple of Ezra and Zerubbabel after the, uh, the exiles came back from Babylon. And then... Herod the Great, when he realized just dying for honor, dying to be to have a legacy as, quote, king of the Jews, and he knows the people who construct the temples are the kind of the rock stars of Israel. And so he began to do a temple kind of project that expanded the, the amount of the temple like five times. And there's a rebuilding of the temple. And, and that's what's going on 
in Jesus' day, that's why it says it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and it wasn't even completed. And you're going to raise it up in three days? Verse 21, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Folks, it's a big moment. The temple is a big deal. It doesn't get any bigger in Israel than the temple because in the Jewish way of thinking, the temple was the center of the whole world. You see, the temple wasn't just a place of sacrifice. The temple was, as one author says, the the place where heaven and earth overlapped and interlocked, where one world met another, where the presence of God Almighty dwelt. That's big. That's the temple. And um, the, the Holy of Holies, the, 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 the very inner room of the temple, was called in the Old Testament the, the earthly throne of God. Tear down this temple. You remember, those of you who are older, I mean not real old, we're all young middle-aged, right? Those of you who are kind of young middle-aged may remember the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's one of those cheesy alien movies that kind of came out when several of us were in our teens and 20s. And uh, at that time, that was really cool stuff. And for, for you younger people, it's just like any other alien movie. Kind of the nice aliens, not the ones that eat you and destroy everything, but kind of the nice aliens, you know, kind of movies. But they're all cheesy. And so was this one. But, of course, it was how they wanted to make contact with these aliens. And finally, at the end of the movie, the huge alien ship is landing in this place. And here it comes. And there's lights going everywhere. And that thing lands right there in the presence of all these human beings. And then all this music starts, you know, na, 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 kind of stuff like that. You've, some of y'all seen the movie, I can tell. And what's so cool about that movie, even though it's cheesy, is how the camera doesn't focus so much on the ship and what's about to come out of it, but on the faces of the people encountering what they see. The trap door opens on the ship and all the people who were kidnapped by the aliens in New Mexico or wherever (laughs) come out. And then the aliens with the little square elongated heads come out. And the faces. Utter awe and astonishment. Well, folks, that's just a movie. That ain't real. But you can't even imagine what it was like as it is recorded in Exodus 40 when Moses finished the tabernacle and God inhabited by His glory the tabernacle. We read in Exodus 40 that this was a real encounter with God Almighty. And if you believe God created all there is, 
God sustains everything by His mighty power. There is none like God than not a close encounter, but an actual encounter with God is huge. Exodus 40:34. The cloud hovered, covered the tent of meeting. That's the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I mean, the glory comes down, the glory into the tabernacle. And Moses, verse 35, could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And they saw it and they were, ah! This happens again in Second Chronicles 7 when God tells David and then finally Solomon that he can build a permanent structure in Jerusalem called the temple. No sooner has Solomon finished his dedicatory prayer for the temple when they observe the, the, the glory of God, the power of God, the habitation of God's glory coming into that temple. When Solomon finished praying, I mean, as soon as he said, I'm in, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord. Sound familiar? Like Moses couldn't. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when the Israelites saw the fire coming down, and when they saw the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement and put their faces to the ground and said, The Lord, He is good. Tear down this temple. Tear down this temple. and I will build it back. Raise it up in three days. I am the temple. From here on out, I'm the overlap between heaven and earth. I am the mediator between God and man. You want to know God? You come through me. I'm the new temple. The sacrifices, once Jesus Christ was crucified on that hill outside of Jerusalem, the sacrifices of that temple meant nothing from that moment on when the the curtain that that separated us from the presence of God was torn in two. Because Jesus, we read in the book of Hebrews, as our great high priest, sacrificed himself once and for all. And then he sat down and he reigns as the only mediator between God and man, the only place where heaven and earth overlaps. In fact, it's really interesting that in the book of Revelation, John was given a vision of many things. And John would ask questions and get answers. John would record just the amazement of what he saw in the heavenly realms and the glory of the Lamb, Jesus. And John goes and he sees the new Jerusalem in heaven. Do you know one of the first things he noticed about the new Jerusalem? He's a Jew, remember? There's no temple. There is no temple in the new Jerusalem. By the way, nor do we need to rebuild the one in Jerusalem. 
Because in the New Jerusalem, there's no temple. And we read in Revelation 21, 21, these words, I did not see a city, excuse me, a temple in the city, John says. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Tear down this temple and I will just raise it again in three days. You know what Easter means? Easter means a brand new house. Easter means that Jesus is the place of meeting between sinners and God through His sacrifice, and He lives and reigns to give eternal life to all who come to Him based on His sacrifice and not any ongoing temple functions in any house anywhere in the world. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, He not only proved that He was exactly who He said He was, but He is able to give new life. And I want you to know this morning, if you come here and, and you're, you're trying to figure this thing out about Jesus, it is very simple. God is holy. We're not. Jesus came and died on the cross, took the sin that keeps us from God, and Jesus rose from the dead and has power to give new life to all who believe. By the cross, you will not be counted guilty for your sins. You will be utterly forgiven, past, present, and future. By the resurrection, you will be given new life that will last forever by King Jesus, the new temple. But you know what's really interesting, just in closing? It's that when you put your trust in this gift of God, the Son of God and all that He's done, and He comes into your life, believe it or not, you know, we're all sinners. We're all stumbling. We're all having to repent and believe and walk, right? And there's forgi ongoing forgiveness for, even, for people like me, for people like you, okay? But we're dearly loved, walking in the Spirit. But believe it or not, the, the, the way that people see God on earth is through us and the giving through us of His Word. Meaning that we also, because we are His body, the church, we are, you are, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you, if you know Jesus, are, as Jesus has ascended and reigns, the overlap between heaven and earth on earth. That's pretty wild, isn't it? And the church is where salvation is found and in Christ alone. And it just blows me away, this thing about Easter, because I come to that empty tomb and I say, me, even me, even, even somebody like me, I can come to you, I can have all my sins forgiven, I can have the, a brand new start, a brand new life in you. Yes, that's what Easter means, a brand new life. And then, on the other hand, I come to Easter and I say, wow, me? You've got to be kidding. I'm going to be with you, in union with you, the temple of God on earth. The people are going to see you through me? Yes. And that's a part of the wonder of Easter as well. 
Because our lives aren't simply here to be lived a day at a time as consumers and lived as people who just do the next thing. They are here, we are put here exclusively for the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is beautiful because of Easter, you see, the possibilities for life and ministry and meaning and kingdom are astounding. Astounding. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Let's pray. Lord, would you help my dear friends have the courage to pray bold prayers this morning along with me If you've never put your trust in Christ and what He has done in the cross and in the empty tomb, and you'd like to, just pray, Lord, I see it. I can't do any of that on my own. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have completed on the cross. And thank you that even now, I'm forgiven. Even now, because of Easter, you have come into my life. Lord, there are many of us whose lives are very distracted, overly complicated. And on this day of newness, would you have the courage to pray silently with me? Lord, I want you to clear things out of my life so I can worship you. And I know that... that In some cases, that will even be difficult. But Lord, I want you. Cleanse the temple of my heart. And Lord, would you bring Easter newness into my life and a deep sense of your love and forgiveness and acceptance and mercy and your smiles upon me because of Jesus. Lord, would you do this, not just so I can have it, but would you, even through a faltering person like me, show the world the difference that the risen Christ really makes. We pray all these things in his holy name. Amen.